everybody, and welcome back to the Rando-ish Podcast. I am, of course, I'm your host, Doug. And I'm Nick! And as Nick always says, and as you folks always know, with the birds, Nick shares this lonely view. It's such a lonely view from the top, <laughs> Doug. Hello, Nick. How are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm so psyched for today. Yes, welcome back to the most random place on Earth, the Rando-ish Podcast. We're here with another exciting episode for you all. Glad you all can make it back. So um, exciting. So, Nick, how was your week? Oh, man, so great. The holidays are coming up, Doug. That's right. And I am in full holiday mode. We just finished celebrating Hanukkah, and I just got back from my Thanksgiving. It was great. Oh, yeah, yeah so, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh man, it was so good. You sent me a picture of the layout. It looks like it was it was a pretty healthy spread. It was, looks really good. It's quite a bit of food. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That's awesome, man. That's great. Yeah. Um, you had a good time. You spent some time with your family. Oh yeah. How are they? Uh, my dad's doing well. Yep. You know, my sister's not doing so well. I'm sorry. And my dad's or my uh, sorry, my mom is doing very well. Sister of Nick, uh, our thoughts are with you, and we hope that uh. You know, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, know that we're thinking of you and that we're with you. And she's she's not dying. She doesn't listen, does she? Does uh, she listen? No, I don't think she loves me enough to listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> One of those like, oh, my brother's doing right. the thing again. I have a sister like that, too. I get it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was exciting. So we got, you know, you had to spend your do your Thanksgiving a week late with the family. So That's true. I'm glad we're really, really well. We yeah, have Christmas. We, we, we even, you do it the same way? Well, we even ha- celebrated Hanukkah a little bit. We lit some candles. Okay, and, that's right. You know, yeah. we sang a a little uh, Hebrew, Shalom. but now mm-hmm. I come from a uh, mixed religious background. Right, you know my parents were. Um, uh, my father is Jewish, and my mother is not Jewish. Okay, uh, so we got the best of both worlds, right. and they were like, "Hey, you know, fuck it, the kids can decide what they want to do when they get older." So, Christmas as cup. you can see, right now that I'm older, and now that it's holiday time. You can see that the entire studio is decked out with holiday lights. I've got a massive Christmas tree in the corner, presents wrapped and sitting under there waiting for a very special someone, Doug. Theater of the mind. (laughs) You have to believe us. Yes. (laughs) You believe me, don't you? Um, So, yeah, no, well, that's exciting. And well, you you could do Christmas. That's a thing, right? Yeah. Now, do you do you do you observe Festivus? Uh, yes, I do. I do. I like, I really enjoy festivals. We actually had a festivist party last year. Yeah. We had the airing of grievances and, um, <laughs> and, and different things of that nature. It's funny because I'm no, we're not really on the best of terms with the people we had the festivus. Really? With last year. Yeah, really? Yeah, unfortunate. Um, more of a their problem than my problem. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, uh, this year's festivus, there will be a airing of grievances and some of them will be towards them. Oh, no. I'm sure. So, um. You, you know, mind if I ask who it is? Uh, nobody you know. Um, okay. But they're. Much less interesting then. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was just one of those instances where I think there were expectations. Um, cause our kids have known each other all their lives Ah, yes. and there was some expectations that I think that our son would look out for their son in a way that I felt was unreasonable. Ah. Um, kind of like, Hey man, they're all going through the transition of going to high school, you know, like why right, should I, right, my right. son be burdened any further with trying to bring your son along socially? Um, but that's neither here nor there. That's not really my issue. Um, I have my feelings on the matter and you know. My memory is long, and I don't forget. You know, sometimes, you know, relationships 
develop between people mm-hmm. and you enjoy them for however long they last. And sometimes those relationships more often than not end at some point. You know, there is unfortunately a terminus on those uh, relationships most of the time. Right. And well, how choice may made. You know, on that front. So, I mean, for in that instance, it's like, I don't know. I, I do think at some point my wife and her will make amends. I hope they do for there because yeah. they were very, they were very close. Um, I, I, You know, like most of the friends that are in our like familial existence, you know, it's one of those things where uh, they're more her friends than they're my friends. Ah, I come yes. along for the ride in most instances. Yeah, I can, um, I can see that the pain runs deep. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just just to quote the Christian Bale line from American Psycho, when she talks about when he tries to break up with the Reese Witherspoon character. Ah, yes. We can't break up. Your friends are my friends, and my friends are your friends. And he goes, I've been thinking a lot about that. You can have them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's absolutely um, true. Yeah, so, I mean, I have my own little circle, sub-circle of friends. Um, it's not... You know, a big enough one to have an epic 40th birthday party, as I found out when I oh. turned 40. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Wait, you're not 40 story yet? For another, yeah, no, I turned 40 a few years back, Nick. Um, yeah, I thought you were a sprightly of, 29. Right. Well, only in my in my emotional maturity. <laughs> um, so there's one thing, though, that I'd like to mention, because we have a little fun thing to do today. We're going to get into it in I a can't little wait. bit. No list, but list a Jace. Um, it's a list. It's not a list. There's no numbers next to it, Nick. <laughs> I have. We just put certain things from a certain category in order. Not but in any order. But it's not a list. It's not an order. Um, I have a beef. I have a beef, and I want to take it up. Oh, with me? No. Oh, it's with me. Uh, two weeks ago, and when I made the list for my favorite movie characters of all time. Ah, yes. Doug from two weeks ago. I have something very poignant to say to you. Yeah, bro. You're a fucking idiot. You made a list that largely was solid. But yeah, the props two, to you, bud. The two names that you left off the list were so egregious and so uh, disturbing that as I listened to the episode that aired this past Sunday. Close, but no cigar, I my brother. I the, the oversight, the vast oversight that Doug from Such two weeks ago had. Doug from two weeks ago Bruh. left off one of the all-time great badass characters in John Creasy from Man on Fire. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with the film, Nick? I think so. Where, you know, Creasy basically is a... He's a he's a troubled man. He's had some issues with alcohol, was once very much a top-level assassin. They don't really get to the very specifics, but he's kind of a guy that... I think a bodyguard, right? ...worked for the... C- no, well, that's what he ended up doing a job yeah. as, but yeah, for a yeah, long yeah, time, yeah, he was yeah, a special yeah, yeah. operative for the government, and one of the people that made people disappear, more or less. No, of course, um, of course, of course. To quote, you know, and to, to quote uh, Rayburn's line from the movie, a man can be an artist in anything, food, whatever. It depends on how good he is at it. Creasy's art is death. And he's about to paint his masterpiece. Oh, boy. And so, yeah, he's a because he's had some issues with alcohol, basically trying to run from the past that he had lived and the life he had lived. Um, he drinks quite a bit. Yeah. So he basically, I you know, goes down to Mexico. There's, uh, you know, the, but there's uh, and they give you some statistics at the beginning of the movie talking about how uh, there were so many uh uh, kidnappings yeah, um, per hour, per minute, or something like that, that having a bodyguard, if you're a well-to-do family, 
is absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, almost to the point where it's a status symbol. Yes. Where if you have, you know, the, the, the more accomplished bodyguards you have, the more of a status, higher course, status course, you are. Of course, of course, of um, course. But anyway, Creasy, you know, he's he looks at all of his information and he goes, wow, you man, you're like way overqualified for this. Like, what what is your, what's the catch? And he said, I drink. You know, and so the guy was like, look, man, nobody's really going to come after us. It's a small deal. Whatever. We have insurance. We're good. You know, just, just stand there and look tough, more or less. Yeah. Well, Creasy kind of just goes through the motions until he builds the relationship with the young girl, Peta, played by... um. Uh, what's the young lady's name? Who um, knows? But the well, one line I remember from the movie is that there's no such thing as can or can't. There is simply being trained and not being trained. Well, there's a lot of one-liners that he says that are great. Um, you know, wish, last wish, wish, I wish you had more time when the guy asked him could he have <laughs> yeah. his last dying wish. Uh, another one that I like is forgiveness. forgiveness is between them and God. I'm just here to set up the meeting. Ah, um, I like that one. And uh, I always love what after they killed after they kidnapped uh, Peta, who was played by the young lady. Um, hell, why can't I remember her name? Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning. Thank you. Was it Dakota Fanning? It was Dakota. That Fanning. was a blind yeah, shot in the no, dark, Doug. Exactly I'm telling you, it was. Wow. Um, after she gets kidnapped and the mom talks to her, she says to him, what are you going to do? And he says, I'll do what I do best. I'm going to kill them. Anyone that's involved, <sighs> anyone who profited from it, anybody who opens their eyes at me. And then the mom says, kill them all. And that's what he basically goes on and does. Doesn't he, uh, spoiler alert, doesn't he die in that movie? Yes, he does. Damn. After he saves Peter. After he saves Peter. He gives a, well, so he gets into a gunfight and he catches one and he knows it's probably going to be fatal. Yeah. So basically he says, I'll give up my life for hers. You guys can take me. You can do whatever the fuck you want with me, but you got to let the little girl go. And so they say, fine, because he had been such a pain in the ass at that point. Um, that they were going to torture him. Oh, but yeah. he also knew he wasn't going to live long enough for him to really do shit to him anyway. So as Peter went home, he died in the car as they were driving away. That's how that's good how shit, crazy good dies. Shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was one more that I like to say. Uh, oh, he says, okay, my friend, it's off to the next life for you. I can guarantee you, you won't be lonely. I love that one. That's a decent one. That's yeah. a good one, yeah. So... John Creasy. What is the line about being trained and not trained? Though? I don't know. I, I, I don't terrible, remember. I'm terrible at uh, quoting anything. I'm like, I'm a general ideas kind of guy. Right. I'm not a uh, word for word guy. Yeah. See, I'm a big movie quote guy. Yeah. Um, I, I have some movie quotes to stick into my life. And I just, I wait for the moment, sometimes for up to years, to wait to say the movie line that I've been wanting to say that's very perfect for this moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm still waiting for the moment to say then we will fight in the shade. I haven't had an instance where that would be something that was relevant. Um, but one day, uh, one day someone will say something about blotting out the sun or, or, or blacking out the sun. And I'll say something to the effect of then we will fight in the shade. No, of course, of course. Yeah. See, I'm the kind of guy where like a situation comes up and I'll specifically remember part of the line in mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'll, you know, like for example, uh, you know, fighting in the shade, I'll you be know like, that's from 300. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, somebody would be like, oh, well, you know, the district manager is going to be here and blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be real tough. And I'll be like, it's okay. We'll struggle in the dark, I think. So you try to amend it. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you're, I'm not, like, at least you're trying to retrofit it to 
the moment. I, 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 I've had my dalliances with that. Hasn't always worked out. Generally. Nope, it never Doesn't, works out for me. Because they're, they're like, it, are you trying to quote right, 300? And right. I'm like, or yeah. Or you're trying to sound profound. It, it's always just comes up as a miss. <laughs> Um, it actually reminds me. Uh, I know you don't watch much of Family Guy. I don't know if anybody out there watches Family Guy, but there was an instance where they they replay the end of um, of uh, Lethal Weapon Two. Oh no! And then all of a sudden, Peter just comes out of nowhere and goes, "It just been revoked," <laughs> which is the last yeah. line of the one of the last lines of the scene, the shoot the gunfight scene from Danny Glover. And Brian walks in the dog and just goes. Peter, no one set you up for that line. He goes, "It just been revoked," <laughs> and so he just, you know, just. But anyway, that made me think of that. The yeah. other one, even more egregious than John Creasy being left off the list. I, this is one of, this is probably my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, this is probably my one of my favorite film characters of all time. V for the Vendetta. fact I forgot him. No, oh. the fact <laughs> I forgot him is unforgivable to Doug from two weeks ago. How dare you, Doug, from two weeks ago? And I'm carrying the burden of the guilt of having left it off initially. We will have our revenge! It was another John. It was John Bender from Breakfast Club. You ever seen Breakfast Club, Nick? Uh, I unfortunately have not. It's one of my all-time favorite. It is I've my heard all-time a lot favorite of, movie. I have heard a lot of positive things about Breakfast Club. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, it was kind of before my time. Well, it's yeah. you know what? You'd be surprised. It actually holds up today. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah, very much so. You know? <clears throat> very much I think, so. I think I've seen the the scene where they're in detention. But that's the whole, that's the whole movie. Okay. They go to detention on Saturday. I might have seen the, the movie at some point. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, but he's just an antagonist the entire like first half of the movie before he finally lets his guard down and kind of warms up to the rest of the people. But, uh, you know, he's doing the thing where he's kind of pitting people against each other throughout the whole time. And uh, they're talking about how he's a coward because he won't join any of these clubs and all. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not someone that's active in the school society. And, you know, he asks, um, he's just kind of talking about how he just feels like, those people are at, you know, I think the line that he sets up and she goes, you know, you're just a big coward. You don't ever want to be a part of anything. So you just put it down and make fun of it. And he goes, well, that wouldn't anything to do with those people being assholes. Now, would it? Uh, anyway, and the whole time he's doing this conversation, uh, the dorky kid in the back keeps yelling, I'm in the physics club. <laughs> to which he finally goes, excuse me, what are you babbling about? He goes, I'm in the physics club. And John Bender, of course, says... Oh, okay. And he looks at the redhead girl. He's having this conversation when he goes, hey, Cherry, are you in the physics club? And she goes, it's totally different. That's an academic club. It's not the same thing. He goes, ah, but to the dorks like him, they are. And he goes, you have a party and whatever. And he says, yeah, we have sweet, you know, we, we get together. We discuss physics and it's, you know, she goes, so it's sort of social, so sort of social, demented and sad, but social. Oh boy. I, just just he busts people's balls for the entire hour and 45 minutes that he's on the movie from the guy uh that's managing the detention the principal yeah um to the the other the other his peers in the class i mean the guy has no bullshit he just shoots straight he I I wanted to be John Bender when i was oh, 12 wow. years old i wanted if I, my parents would have let me dress like that and behave that way I would have been John Bender when I was 12 years old. It's Damn, probably bro. why you don't let kids make their own decisions with how they behave. I agree. Um, John Bender is a total forever 
badass hero of mine. It just I love I love the character and the well, fact that I, I forgot see, it. And now I gotta see Breakfast Club. Unforgivable. Yeah, Doug from two weeks ago. What were you thinking? <laughs> I I can't even. I, I when I I was sitting listening to the episode and those names popped in and I said, "How am I?" I mean, John Creasy. Okay, that one might have been close with V, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. John Bender is a top three all time character for me. No, no, of course. So I, you know, I must have really threw you off your game. You know, towards the end of that episode. Well, well the list was already made, so the oh, mistake, I already made the mistake. I had already left him off. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, don't give yourself credit with that. Um, I was trying to give Doug from two weeks ago no, a understand. break here. I know, I appreciate it. Because you're being it. real hard on him. Yeah, no, well, because that's, I mean, I wrote down here, this is the note that I wrote. You ready to read? How in the hell <laughs> did I forget John Bender and Creasy and keep them off the list for favorite characters? And I put dot, 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 How? I actually wrote that to myself. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, how did you do that, you idiot? Aww. In any case, we move on. Um, anything cool? Oh, uh, not that I'm a huge fan, but I thought this was kind of cool. So the University of Pittsburgh, they won the ACC oh. championship this past weekend. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. I would have, you know, I'd've, I was actually wondering, and if I would like to reach out to my nephew at some point, because he lives, he goes to school close by sure, University sure, of Pittsburgh. Sure, sure. I've got to imagine that area, the University of Pittsburgh area was crazy hopping this past weekend so i'd love to hear stories and tales of how that went if anybody actually hears this that's either a pit student or someone that was in the area for that time please reach out on uh randoish podcast um on the twitter or at the randoish or on instagram is also at randoish yep on podcast. the twits or the or the gram and randoish podcast for either one um uh, and let me know how it was i'd love to hear about it um so hail to pit that was cool. Hail um, to Pitt. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I have one other thing, Nick. This is a bit of a hot take, and then we can get into the, Ooh, hot to take. the, the discussion. It's hotter I than the ramen noodles you had earlier for I dinner. Don't, what are you talking about? The, that didn't happen. Okay. Um, <laughs> we don't talk about the noodles. <laughs> <laughs> they were bought in secret. Um, so... I have a hot take. I don't remember how I got to this. Okay. I don't remember why it entered my mind, but I don't know if it was something you said that triggered it, but I wrote down this note. Well, I tend to trigger you a lot. <laughs> Not you know, always. As, as, as you think. As you say, uh, you know, I'm in your head. Yeah. No, I never said that. This one I, I thought was funny. Hot take. Little kid black belts. Not actually really black belts. What do you think? Well, as a little kid, black belt. Is I have that why? to. I have you to had disagree. To admit it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but do you really think you're still legitimately a black belt because you were a black belt when you were like eight? Well, I was nine. One. Okay. Do you two. really think you're legitimately a black belt still? Well, it depends on what black belt even fucking means. Yeah. It's a level of achievement that you've acquired some level of mastery of that art. That is true. Do you still think you're a black belt from you when you were nine? Well, when I was nine, yes. Now, like, that's what I'm trying to say. If you're a little kid black belt, okay, for a little kid, fine, you're a black belt. But there comes a time in your life where that no longer really holds any water. Little kid black belt does not grow up to be an adult black belt. Well, it depends on how often you keep practicing it. It's like with well, anything. Obviously. You know, like, so I'm not for talking example, about people that study their whole life. I'm talking about... You were nine. You were a black belt. Me specifically. You, you not you specifically, well, but okay. someone like you, someone of your ilk. Yeah. You were nine years old. When did you stop? Uh, at nine. 
So you Pretty got a black sure. belt just nine got or ten? Game? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was an after-school program, right. Doug. I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> It was real, real, real big in the '90s and early 2000s. Like, what? What do you want me to tell you, buddy? You know what? Actually, I think that's what we got into the conversation about martial arts being a big thing. And you said I was a black belt when I was a kid. And I think I wrote that down. Black belts, little kid, not the same. Are you? Are you completely? You know, trashing my achievement as a child? No, no. Is this the same as getting a participation trophy to you, Doug? No, no, not at all. No, that's just sad. Um, <laughs> no, black belts. Sorry, for, there were well, snow, the snowflakes. Why is, got I actually got into another verbal altercation with someone at one point. Jen, do you remember Jen? Jennifer? Rivera? Yeah. Well, uh, we don't usually like to put last people's names out, but yes, yeah, her. Uh, you got into a verbal altercation with a Miss uh, R. We'll yep. call her. I guess. <laughs> Do you was, know what I'm was, this, about? was this recent? This was a couple years ago. Oh, a couple years ago. She got really mad because I actually she, had a. Yeah, uh, she weirded uh, me out. Well, we, she's fun. Um, <laughs> you she, thought she was fun. Uh, she is fun. I she's thought she different. was crazy. Um, yeah, this makes her fun. Uh, like so, knife wielding crazy. No, no. A little well, bit. I mean, she's a mom now. Chill with that. Um, and? Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, look, when I knew her, down. when I knew her, she was knife wielding crazy. I mean, she probably still is knife-wielding crazy, but she's learned how to tuck that away, unless you, you know. It makes it even not a more killer, terrifying. But, um, but yeah, we got into a conversation one time where actually I, I decided just to kind of, just to have a little bit of a kerfuffle in my in my store at the time. Right. I Because I had a, there was one time where I had a, a list of employees, about 15, 16 people, and mm-hmm. all of them were female at one oh. point. Oh. So it was uh, the angel, my angels and me, basically. Um, Doug's angels. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, not problematic. Yeah. No, actually, it was good. It was good. No, I, I never overstepped. Um, and I remember saying, I wonder if I had a, a fight to the death of all you ladies in the store who would win. Yeah. And of course, she stepped up. Well, I was a black belt. Well, I was like, when? When the fuck was you a black belt? Well, I was a black belt when I was a kid. I was like, that's not the same thing. That's you being a black belt when you were like eight or nine doesn't make you a badass as you're an adult. Get out of here with that. Like just because you're a black belt and you're a little kid doesn't make you a real black belt. And she got super offended. Yeah. And I couldn't stop laughing. Um because <laughs> I just I, I can't take you seriously if you were a ninth grade but I like in your old black belt. Like oh, wow. if you were someone that started training young and grew up, okay, legit. If you're an adult black belt who started and you ended up attaining that, legit. Little kid black belt, not legit. Not really a black belt. Well, here's the thing. Um, If you're a, you know, regardless of what age you are, most of the time people who get black belts who are paying to be there are getting black belts because they've been there a while. Not necessarily because they're good. Wait a minute. Didn't you have to pass some kind of test to get the black belt? Yeah. Okay. So you earned it. It wasn't necessarily like a difficult oh, no. test i failed mine i failed one look doug just because you fail et test does not make it hard i test. was in orange belt in taekwondo and yeah. i went for my blue want to say my blue belt oh i i was in, i was in karate right so right which is boring um but my point is doug <laughs> you failed a test that a nine-year-old or eight-year-old could pass i was about 11 or 12 the point mm-hmm. is it was a legitimate mm-hmm. test that I could pass or fail. It wasn't that it just gave it to me. It's like, hey, buddy, you paid your money. Here's your blue belt. Most of the time, that's usually how it you goes. Know. Eh, maybe in certain dojos. Not in mine. Mine, they made you earn it, Nick. But maybe that's a generational thing. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I am a decade younger than you, so by That's that right. time they are handing out participation they out trophies. Participation trophies. <laughs> they did that for us in baseball. I, I don't know why. I do crack up sometimes when I hear people that are my age group talking about this participation trophy bullshit. Yeah. Like, okay, some sports they did do that. Not all of them, but some they did. Where they like, I know for my baseball, like my little league stuff, they would give you a trophy whether you won or not. Now football, some of the other stuff, yeah, you had to win some shit to do that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, it was just no. I mean, I uh, you know, as a kid, I was in karate. And right. Um, you saying that like Ross Geller? Karate. Hilarious, hilarious to me. Yeah. You know, uh, I actually won a number of trophies uh, for like katas and stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. I had like uh, I know I won a first place trophy. And uh, a couple of third place trophies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I remember this was the moment where, I, like, I knew I was a genius. No, that's not true. But uh, I was a uh, like a third or fourth degree belt mm-hmm. at the time, and mm-hmm. I went to a uh, kata competition or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids were next to me, and they were waiting in line. And uh, this was where the moment where I was like, okay. I'm going to try and be smart about this. Every kid is going to perform the same kata, uh, which is um, kind of like a routine for right. martial art moves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all going to try and do this new kata that we only just learned a week ago and mm-hmm. see how good they can do it. And it's very complex and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I kept watching this ki- these kids do these katas, and it was you know judged by somebody who wasn't from our dojo or something like the you know, one of the ring of dojos or whatever. Right. We're all like, um, what are they called? Uh, a conglomeration of dojos in the area. This wasn't Mudo Martial Arts World, was it? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but all these kids were doing like third and fourth year, like belt katas. And I was like, I'm going to do the kata that I know the right. absolute best and right. I can perform with perfection right. precision right right so i did the white belt kata right which is the first kata <laughs> this is like probably a couple punches in a block i mean it was it was a long one right yeah you know, it That's was it was definitely simple moves but like i did it with such precision and such focus right. and i did it like perfect right because like i'd been doing that kata for months you know, yeah. in addition to all the other new katas so, that we we're learning. Did you say you won a trophy for this? I won first, won place, first place for that for trophy. White belt kata. Yeah. Some lazy judging. It's because uh, I did the kata so much better than all these other kids right. who were trying to do like the newest like kata. It's gymnastics. It should have been like a, like a varying like degree of difficulty. We're like, yes, you nailed yours, but you lose some points for like creativity. Where yeah, like pretty much like if you're doing, uh, it is better to do something simple well than it is. You do the uneven bars and you do like a basic routine. Fine if you nail it, perfect, awesome. But you don't. You do lose some points for creativity, as where someone goes up and does like a a difficulty degree of five. You know they make they get a little bit of room for error. I understand that, but it was the it was simply the principle. Like if you do something simple well. You will uh, do better than if you try to overstep and do, you know, something complicated that you know yeah, you no, won't do as well. Yeah, okay. You know, and that's yeah. when I learned that lesson. And I was like, oh, shit. And so, that's that's actually how I achieved the black belt so early because, like, right. I kept applying that principle. Okay. Like, if I know that I can't do the roundhouse kick in this sparring match, 
then I'm going to go for the block and punch, right. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm not going to try and do some fancy move that I know probably won't land. I'm going to actually, you know, go back to basics. So they taught you basically the karate version of stay in your lane. Kind of, I yeah. guess. Okay, fair enough. All right. All right, Nick, were you ready to get into the discussion today? Are we not having a discussion, Doug? We are. Well, the the, the schedule discussion. <laughs> Um, so, as you know, folks, we're in the month of December. Um, so, obviously, with the month of December, uh, we have, uh, you know, there comes with this time of year, there's Christmas time, obviously, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, a lot of different uh, gift-giving holidays, things of that nature. And so, I thought it was only right um, to, in the in the idea of the holiday season and gift-giving. Oh, you know um, what I got for Hanukkah, by the way? What? Soap. Is that a traditional Hanukkah level gift or just nope? I just, just got some. They soap? Got, I got some soap. Was it like fancy soap or uh, it's like Bed Bath and Beyond with like the stuff in in like inside of the the soap bar? No, it's um, it's like, I mean, it's uh, not like we're not talking about suave here from like Publix, are we? No. Okay. No, it's it's not Dove for Men soap right. or anything. <laughs> like three in one shampoo. <laughs> area no, I got like uh, I got a big box of like actual soap, and it's okay. like I opened the box, and it was like. Uh, bourbon barrel aged, oh, you know, smoke like soap. Fancy soap. Yeah. yeah or like nice. uh, pine tree forest with wintergreen soap. Can and, I ask you a personal question? You know, beer soap. I'm like, what? Are you a loofah or cloth man? Neither. You use your hand? Yeah. Okay. Like the bar and stuff itself? Mm hmm. Fair enough. I like because um, like I like the myself. I like the exfoliation from like the grit the in the soap right. itself. Yeah. Okay. See, I like this loofah for that reason. I feel like it gets a good scrub. Those uh, I've heard loofahs get really gross. Well, you have to replace it, obviously. Well, yeah, but like I hear they get gross really quick. Oh, not not my experience. I mean, to me, to me, I hold on to it as long as it like holds the like the tight knot in the middle. Okay. But after, you know, if you see a little, once you use it a few times, you start seeing the wear and tear where it starts to frill, starts to come oh, loose. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's time to let go of them. Um, <laughs> so you just have a yeah, bunch no, of, like, for, fresh loofahs around? What's that? You have, hey, you have just a bunch of fresh loofahs? No, they're just like a dollar at Publix. You yeah, can, but, like, you, you know, if time. you ever find that one's getting worn out and you're like, no, oh, should I have been able to go to Publix? I use that one and I say the next time I go, I'm going to get a new one. Ah, yeah, okay. That's all. Or I buy a handful of them. That's I mean, what I was saying. Like I would yeah, stock I mean, at up. One point we actually had like a whole. We had like a whole tube of them where Ooh. it was like you know. I think it was uh, Carly got that from uh, one of those. Uh, what's that place with the bath bombs in uh, Mall Millennium? It's called Bed Bath and Beyond. Nope, it's not. It's another one. It's a very specific bath bomb kind of place. Uh, Yankee Candle. Nope. Eh, it doesn't matter. Okay. It's at the Mall Millennium though. When you first walk in by the, uh, I've the actually uh, been to the Mall of Millennium exactly once. Oh really? Yep. Okay. Sorry, this is a little bit local Orlando fair for you all. Went to the movie theater, and then you go anywhere else. Movie theater in Mall of Millennia? I have no idea. I never. I been think to it was Mall of Millennia. I never been to a movie theater they have. I mean, I'm sure they do have something somewhere. Anyway, I've never been into it. So the conversation we'll be having today <laughs> is not about soap or bath bombs. Right. It's about. Uh, it's about it's nostalgia. About like it's about so nostalgia many of our episodes. It's about um, nostalgia, about previous times in our lives where things were just better. Uh, well, or groundbreaking. See, so as I was talking to Nick earlier, <laughs> I kind of talked about, uh, I come, you know, as I've, oh, I've told you, I've never really hot, hid my age. I'm 43. Um, Congratulations. No, I'm 42. Oh, God. God. Yeah, I'm 42. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. 79. Right? 
So Why are you 40, asking me what your I'd birthday 40, is? 2019, 2020. I was for, yeah, I'm 42. I'm 42. Happy, birth- Happy birthday, Doug. Thank you. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm from a unique generation. I'm a millennial, borderline millennial, zennial. Um, what do they call zillennials? Zillennials? It's like a Generation X mixed with a millennial. You're tail end of Gen X. Um, yeah, I'm a Gen X person, but my generation was unique because, and I, I say this with some level of uh, irony and yet some level of pride. Um, my generation was the first generation came up and was grew up in the video game kind of the home PC video game era. Right. That was that was something that was just becoming a normality as I was growing yeah. up in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously on the other end of the spectrum, I am of the last of the uh, of the of the dying breed of the people that were uh, that remember what the world was like before the Internet. You know, the Internet wasn't really a thing that I knew a whole lot about until I was like 16, 17 years old. So I actively remember the world before the Internet. Uh, before cell phones, before what the world is now. And I'm sorry um, for that. Yeah, it's okay. You know, you didn't really realize it until you had it, what it was. Um, but for me, the video game uh, thing was something that also took off as I grew up through my life. And obviously now as I look at it, I can truly have an appreciation from where we were to where, to where we, we are. are. Um, so this this episode, I'm going to do, we're going to do what's called a five, uh, we're going to do a five-part series. It's starting off a five-part series. Now, obviously, the five-part series will not be the, not when I'm in a row. I mean, we have the, obviously, have the holidays uh, well, and things to look at. Uh, we're looking, I know, well, we're now I'm about. a little, like, I got really hyped up, and now I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> like, well, I'm going to be listening to each to episode it. now, hoping that it's going to be the next in the series. Well, and we'll get to them. We won't make you wait too, too long. And obviously, we'll finish up probably beginning of next year. Um, so we'll start off here in the eighties. So what are we calling this five part series? I didn't really come up with a name. You, you got a name for it? <laughs> uh, games through the ages. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So part one of our five part series games through the ages. We're starting in the lovely little time. The eighties, the eighties. Right. And obviously we'll get into the nineties, the two thousands, two thousand tens. And then with the last one, the fifth one, we'll discuss the best games that have came out so far this uh, decade as well as the ones that are coming up here in the near future. Yeah. To look forward mm-hmm. to. So um, the first, as Nick laid out uh, very eloquently, uh, our first episode that we're going to discuss on this is the most influential games of the 80s. Oh, man, there's a lot in here. And you know what? Uh, there's a couple of years in this decade that, like, they exploded with very important and popular video games. Yes. And so even for you younger people that you guys don't like, you'll still recognize you'll a recognize lot of the this names. stuff. Absolutely. And that's why I was worried initially when I had this, uh, when we had, when I put this part of the show together, cause you know, Nick, as I pointed out, it was about a, about a generation between mm-hmm. me. Um, I mean, there's a generation between him and I, um, but these games, yeah, I'm, were so I'm only 19 monument, right? These games are so <laughs> monumental and so huge. And so, uh, that influential even, to, even to me, they're still legendary to the, to, right to the genre. It's certainly something that you have an appreciation for. And, um, you know, we have, we'll have fun to look at them. You know, we'll talk about some games that were kind of also runs that were also runs that were favorites of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, for instance, one of my favorite was afterburner. Afterburner. Ever play Afterburner? Uh, it Probably sounds not. familiar. It's it's it was an air like a fighter pilot game. Oh, and it was so cool. Like it started off in the in the uh, arcades, yeah. And then they brought a PC. I mean, like a home version of it. 
for Nintendo. And I remember just, you know, you felt like you felt like Tom Cruise in in Top Gun flying around shooting at these things until you realized that at the very least at the home version, you could just tilt your plane um, at like a 90 degree angle. And everything that would shoot at you or come at you, anything that you had to miss and dodge, it would all just fly right past you if you stayed, kept your plane at a 90 degree angle. Yeah. So that kind of made the game not fun because then everybody would just get on the plane and do a 90 degree angle and just fly towards the end, which was terribly boring. Now, of course, I played uh, a later version of this type of game. uh, Ace Pilot? No, no, no. It was uh, called Terminal Velocity. Okay. Released in the mid-90s. Okay. And we won't get into it here. Right. But, like, those style of games, mm-hmm. it, it was, like, one of the only games I played consistently throughout my childhood. Okay. So, like, I can understand the appeal of right. that kind of game. So, you know, we'll kind of go through it. And I didn't do it in any particular order. Obviously, I didn't make a list. But I did try to do the games, and I tried to pattern them in the in the sense where it kind of showed you how we evolved through the course of the 80s. The first major game of the 1980s. This one will be a surprise to no one. Uh, Pac-Man. Oh, Pac-Man yeah. Pac-Man was released in 1980. It is the highest grossing video game of all time. Um, which, I mean. Super iconic. Covers. I mean, so it's, iconic. It was actually a game that did a lot for the, you know, and I was reading some information regarding it. It did a lot for, there was times at the time, the games of those ilk were shooting games. Um, strategy games, right, right. a lot of things that were quote unquote male driven. Pac-Man was one of the first games that became almost, and then a year later they released Ms. Pac-Man, yeah, yeah. where it was something that reached across the aisle and became something that both men and women and children could all enjoy. Yeah, it so was, it was groundbreaking on that on that front. It was uh, very neutral in that way. Yes. I mean, Ms. Ms. Now, Ms. Still, Pac-Man is still, a superior game. And still very mesmerizing, very uh, challenging, and just mm-hmm. super fun all around. Yeah. Um, you know, another one of the ones that I would say that is the uh, one of the more influential games of the 80s, Donkey Kong. Oh, man. Obviously started off as an arcade game. I remember going to the grocery store and seeing Donkey Kong being there. Yeah. Um, did you know that actually this is the first game that ever had a cutscene? Really? That's claim, one of the claim to fame for Donkey Kong was the first game to ever have an intro cutscene. Um, obviously it had some, you know, characters that were, uh, that were derivative of other characters. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Donkey Kong from King Kong and things of that nature. I believe the Mario brothers were in it at some level. Uh, Mario um, was the plumber right, you know, who is, right. uh, hopping um, over the barrels in order to get to Donkey Kong. So yeah. So Donkey Kong, which was, which was released in 1981, uh, was another legendary game. Uh, it, it, it helped progress and help grow the genre all the more. Um, until you get to 1984. I think, I think that was back in the day when he was actually called Jumpman. Mar- Who, Mario. Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't have a name at that point. Right. No, he wasn't Mario. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think everyone recognizes uh, the traditional Donkey Kong game. You know, even if they don't recognize where it's from, they rec- they would recognize the screen. Right. You know? Absolutely. Um, another one, that, which did brings us to... Um, a game that is still to this day, and there's actually a couple we're going to talk about here that it's cool as you look, because I've done a little bit of, you know, advanced research, mm-hmm. and we've looked at some of the games that were influential over the course, over the cover of the course of decades. Um, a couple of these titles you'll be surprised as to see over time were very much uh, big players throughout, even to this day. Well, like, for example, one, uh, oh, go ahead. This one, uh, which was which was l- released in 1983. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so I, as I did some research on this, I was actually um, people still play that game to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And I would actually, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Nick, but it was considered largely that it saved the video game industry, the home, the home uh, terminal, for yeah. lack of a better word. Uh, Nintendo. Yeah. It, it, well, just the gaming systems in general. Yeah. That game is, is, is it, there was a major crash apparently in 1983, or excuse me, Super Mario Brothers released in 1985. I apologize. Yeah. I got the date wrong. But in 1983, the video game industry suffered a major crash. Uh, there was a belief that the gaming might be uh, just a kind of a passing trend, passing right, fad right. that it had no further, you know, legs. Um, Super Mario Brothers showed because of the sales and because of just yeah. the, the mass appeal um, across the across the board. Um, it actually showed that there was still a market for home PC home much consoles. So. Um, so yeah, 1985. It was largely considered uh, Super Mario Brothers largely considered a video game that not only. Um, revolutionized video games and gaming but um, save the industry it saved the industry altogether mm-hmm. um so i actually thought that one was really influential and very necessary i mean obviously we couldn't have any conversation about video of games course. without discussing Mario and, you know Brothers. there's there's actually a number of video games throughout this decade uh that just launch very very successful uh franchises to that that to this day are right. still going very strong for Absolutely. example uh, the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, the original Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. was released in the eighties. Yeah, and we'll get to that one as well. That's on my. That's on the uh, the ones we're going to talk about. The actual uh, Legend of Zelda, as we talked about, as right. you mentioned, nineteen eighty six. It was released so oh, a year man. later. Um, I remember. I remember because I remember it came out. Yeah. You don't know the world with cartridges. Do you know the world with cartridges? Yeah. Nick? Okay. This one had a gold cartridge. Oh shit! You would have thought that it might as well have been made out of pure fucking gold. The way people like <laughs> just genuflected yeah, when they yeah. saw this thing. Um, it was uh, it, so it had a unique look. Um, it was the it wasn't one of the it wasn't the first of the open world games, but it was certainly one of the most groundbreaking. And it was certainly regards, one of the best at the yeah, time. In regards to be, it was the most groundbreaking in regards I mean, to so open world people, games and show the possibilities. People of them. still quote. You know, some of the opening lines, you know, uh, it's dangerous out there. Take this. All right. You know? Yeah. Um, and I remember I mean, the popularity of it. I'll never forget. Uh, and you may not know this, Nick, but the popularity of Legend of Zelda and Link, the character, had mm-hmm. gotten so big at one point. There actually was a short term, a short run um, television cartoon show yes. of Legend of Zelda. And, and it was terrible. Yeah. Actually, I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, with the crazy animation really where he talked and stuff. Yeah, and he was like, "Excuse me." Yeah, yeah. no, I, re- I remember reading up because I've never seen the show, but I remember right. reading about it, and yeah. I remember it was so poorly received by audiences. Yeah, well, he was a real, he was kind of an asshole. Yeah, and she was whiny, and uh, and yeah, the show didn't follow like, like the games guy. at all. Yeah, no, yeah, he, I mean, he was kind of a badass with the sword, um, but that was about where the real, yeah. where the uh, what's the name, the uh, similarities ended. Um, so yeah, so 19, uh, 1986 Legend of Zelda was a big one. Um, now I was going to also mention as well, this one I actually thought probably out of all the games that were considered influential, this one I wrote down because I thought it was the most, probably if you were to name influential games, this one would be way down the list of what people thought. Yeah. Uh, this game came out in 1984, but let me tell you folks, um, Duck Hunt, ah. 1984. Uh, I remember Duck Hunt because I believe that was actually a game that came where you didn't even really, or came with the original Nintendo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was the first video game shooter. Yeah. Uh, it was proved that shooters could work from home. 
because uh, usually if you had any kind of guns, yeah, you yeah, in the yeah. arcades and that type of thing. Uh, and before Duck Hunt, the only way to interact with the game, as you know, Nick, at home was either with the old, you know, joystick right, right. or a keyboard, you know, for those people that played video games through computer. Um, Duck Hunt, uh, while it was a very simplistic game, moved the genre along where, you know, you Apex Legends fans, you, <laughs> you, know, you know, Call of Duty, COD fans, you Fortnite fans, think Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt was your first first-person shooter. That's true. Um, oftentimes, I remembered having a lot of fun with the with the notion, with the idea that you could just stand right in front of the TV with the gun and just shoot everything, um, so you never miss. I wish I could. I wish I could just shoot that dumb dog. He made fun of me so often. Yeah, yeah. yeah that dog's would, a jerk. <laughs> there was He's always there was snickering a lot of at me. Little things. Well, they also had, had things where they had the little like the clay things you could shoot as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Duck Hunt was a classic. Um, albeit simplistic, but classic and, and as it turns out, very important for kind of your first initial first Just person shooter. driving the technology forward. Right. You know, uh, here's the thing about these games. Um, they're not only, you know, popular, uh, you know, uh, games and the popular franchises that are being launched, but it's also driving the technology of the decade for the gaming industry forward. You know, who would have thought? That you could have had a video game console at home in such a small system, mm-hmm. you know, playing these, you know, eight bit games or whatever. Right. Uh, nobody who would have thought that you could put a first person shooter gun and the technology to use it in front of a home screen TV at the time. No one. People drove that technology forward until it worked, and that tradition still holds up to this day. Absolutely. Like yeah. there's always new technologies being introduced oh, yeah. from these. Uh, Industries. Well, as we talked about the, you know, before the show, we talked about the virtual reality with the Oculus and things like that that are developing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk, talking about like, um, you know, being one of the last generations to know what the world was like before the internet. Mm-hmm. We're going to be um, seeing the very same thing just with virtual reality here pretty soon. You know, we're going to remember the world without it, and then see what it was like after. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, as well as what was the other another one that I thought that we should mention. Um, 1984 as well. Uh huh. Still to this day, one of the most played games in the world. Uh, which to me, you hold up over that period of time, you've done something right. Um, 1984. Uh, 1984 that was Tetris. You saw Tetris. Was oh there. boy, Tetris was maybe the greatest thing ever to come out of Soviet Russia. <laughs> um, bar none. Um. It carried and led to the the successful launch of the Game Boy. Um, it was groundbreaking in the sense of those one of those games that you could travel around. You saw moms, yeah. You saw you know little kids. Um, the Game Boy itself was groundbreaking, but a game like Tetris was the perfect game to pair with it because you could go anywhere and you could pull the Game Boy out and just and just be kind of and kill it all the time that you wanted. And honestly. It was uh, it was mar- it was mass market appeal. Like, there's no shooting, there's no violence, but it's addictive, f- fun puzzle solving. It's puzzle solving with, and I think there's a lot to be said for, and we haven't touched on this at all yet. The score, the yeah. sound, the song. I mean, it was hypnotic. Yeah, you know, to no, the point music, where music has a massive influence on the success of some of these things. Absolutely, uh, but I mean, with that one in particular, you would go to bed at night and hear that song mm-hmm. in your head. You would wake up in the morning. I never forget. I would play Tetris so much. I'd open a book and I would almost always see the letters 
falling <laughs> oh, wow. in the same way. Um, and I remember just the just yeah, you could sit there literally for hours and play it on end. I, I've I've gotten rid of it from my phone because if I have it on my phone, it it at me sitting there turning play, playing a quick game of Tetris could turn into a twenty five minute affair. Oh you know, yeah, like I could be late for dinner because I simply just started playing a simple little game of Tetris. Like suddenly, when I went outside. You, know, you 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 go to the toilet to just pop one out real quick, right? And suddenly, you know, That's it's nice three visual. hours later, and your legs are numb, and you're like, "Where right. have I been?" <laughs> Why is this Tetris? Oh, no. Uh, you know, but Tetris is certainly one of those games that was addictive. It was it was tied very much to the success of the Game Boy, which, yeah. let's be honest, um, the Game Boy was groundbreaking in and of itself with the whole, you know, taking your video game with you. Mobile gaming was um, a big thing. Mobile gaming is huge now. I mean, it's on our phones. It's I mean, everywhere. Uh, Nintendo has been actively pursuing... Um, active gaming for a long time, you know, getting people up and active and out right. of their homes in order Wii to game and things of that nature. Yeah, like right. they've always been pushing that innovation. So, uh, so yeah, but I, you know, but as I said, um, Tetris, I tie to the Game Boy, and be- because of the success of the Game Boy, largely tied to the success of Tetris mm-hmm. um, on Game Boy and on the NES. Um, it is all time one of the most influential games all time. Uh, but certainly one of the most influential games of the 80s. So what do we got for 85? 85. Let me see here. I think we got everything for 85. Um, I can tell you one of, one of the games that I certainly found uh, massively influential and mm-hmm. is still talked about in uh, major serious gaming circles to this day uh, and is quoted as being one of the best and probably most influential uh, RPGs uh, ever to be made. Uh, Final Fantasy VII came out in 1987, yes. and wow, did that just change the entire gaming landscape. That dropped, and suddenly gaming was an art form and not a pastime. It was probably and could very well argue, be argued. And I was, and this is coming from me that I've never been, admittedly, I've never been a Final Fantasy guy. It may be the most RPG, most important RPG in the history of games. Absolutely. Um, at, at the very least, it's the most of that decade. Mm-hmm. And now you could argue that maybe even other iterations of, of Final Fantasy, particularly Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. may be the most important RPG of all time. It's certainly the most well-known. Um, but I would say the one that started it all, the 1987, as you mentioned, the mm-hmm. Final Fantasy, um, it became the kind of godfather of the RPG movement. So many uh, things were inspired by that game. Yeah. Uh, the way the game moved, it, uh, the way the game uh, structured itself, uh, like even the combat system that it used or the um, the storytelling devices it would use. Like it was grand opera on mm-hmm. an eight or a 16 bit stage. Right. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and no, nobody had really seen stuff like that before. We're talking about 87. We're talking about eight bit, brother. It ain't even 16 yet. Yeah. 16 was Sega Genesis. <laughs> Shit. So eight bit was Nintendo. And think about that. Well, I don't think um, it was on Nintendo. I think it was on uh, Final Fantasy, the first one. No, Final Fantasy Seven. Oh, Seven. Yeah, no, no, for sure. That was on Sega Genesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but like uh, a lot of the first Final Fantasies were released, uh, and they weren't even released in the United States. Right. Yeah. No. You know. No. So, uh, I'm speaking of 1987, uh, another uh, influential game came out, and uh, one of the more influential games of the 80s of all time. Um, but 80s certainly, um, 
I would call this the mother of all fighting games. It was Street Fighter. Yeah, buddy. Um, anything that, you know, from, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat and what that's become mm-hmm. to Injustice to any of your, your 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 fighting games, your Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers, all that stuff. Yeah. All of it started with, and you can thank Street Fighter from 1987. And honestly, like... Some of the stuff that it did holds up to this day. It defined the genre that the game they now itself, know. the title itself, still yeah. holds up. There's still Street Fighters. Now it's not as well known and it's not quite as legendary as uh, the original. You know, its predecessor, Street right. Fighter Two, which was right. released in '91. Right. But man, did it really like it's the uh, the older brother, you know, laying the groundwork for mm-hmm. the greatness of his younger Young, brother. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? For because sure. that man, that younger brother, really hit it out of the park. But yeah. it couldn't have done it. Without, Without the, first, the first one, oh yeah. yeah, and I'm sure we're going to see several games like that. Uh, one of the other games that we'll talk about for the for the excuse me, the decade of the '90s. Um, we'll talk about you know, yeah, no, I mean, none of these games uh, come out of pure nothingness. Like they're all standing on the shoulders of the games and right. uh, you know innovations that were behind them, and that's something that you see in the gaming industry, and it's so apparent if you just watch what's happening in the business. Uh, and all the stuff that's being released year after year, mm-hmm. they're all the gaming uh, professionals are watching each other and you know innovating and learning from each other, even right. if it's competitive. Yeah, sure, for sure. You know, but they're uh, watching and looking at what works and what doesn't work and why. Right, and that is something that is continuing to happen mm-hmm. uh, throughout the eighties, nineties to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of which, this but, is a game that actually perfect se- perfectly segues into our next one. 1989. We're getting to the end of the decade. Yeah. Sim City. Oh, Sim City. The the precursor uh, or preamble of that gave birth to The Sims, which is a wildly famous uh, and popular uh, video game title and yeah. franchise. Well, I mean, Sim City by itself launched a whole genre of games by right. itself. Like they still make Sim Cities. Yeah. You know, yeah. but like uh, all the tycoon games. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, any uh, massive like city building game. Period. Uh, is owed to SimCity. There's actually a lot of it. There was some information I actually read in the article that it's given a lot of given the SimCity and those type of games uh, are credited with a lot of people's interest in um, local politics and things like that. Very and, much you know, so. in regards to um, being part of, you know, different city councils and things of that nature, well, that people started you, joining you, those out of those interests. Well, as you mentioned, like, uh, At least the interest to me, was found that way to me earlier today like you know bird's eye view once you give people the power to step outside of their uh small scope mm-hmm. let's be honest yep. uh and they kind of see how things operate from a different perspective there's more interest uh in pursuing that right even if like the initial taste is from a video game right you know it can very well lead to uh interest in similar activities outside of that yeah. so for example uh, you know, if uh, you're working on SimCity and you find an interest in that a kid as a kid, you know, being a um, city engineer well, mm-hmm. is certainly within your scope of well, reason. Well, at the very least, it makes you want to go, huh, I wonder how that really works. Yeah. You know, and you do some information. And so, yeah, I actually thought, I thought that was, I, you know, I never even thought to draw the line between people having interest in city politics and, and, and city ordinances and, and building up and being a, a part of building up your city. Yeah, literally, um, and, and and kind of tying that back to their original interests from games like The Sims and SimCity, and it's because you know part of the game, you know, in SimCity is managing the politics and managing 
the dichotomy of all that kind of stuff within a virtual game. Right. And you're scored based off of all that different stuff. So like if you find that you enjoy it, you know, there is a real life equivalent that you can pursue and that that's, you know, kind of the line you draw. Right. You know? Right. And so one other one, Nick, and this is the last one kind of of the influential games of the, of the 80s here that we have uh, from our first installment for this series. Um, Prince of Persia, 1989. Now, we've hey. had a little bit of fun with this, you know, from an early episode where you had, you had to hit me with a <laughs> did you know or random fact. Yeah. And I actually answered the question before you could tell me and spoiled it for you. But as you would all know, Prince of Persia uh, was derivative or led to uh, what Assassin's Creed has kind of been commonly right. known for today. But did you know that the first cinematic, uh, this was the first cinematic platform platformer or largely considered the first cinematic platformer, which is a process uh, that would late evolve, would late evolve, it would evolve later with games like Mortal Kombat, where we have uh, more modern uses of the technology in regards to the way the characters yeah. were visualized and the way the characters looked, and they looked more human mm-hmm. um, in that sense. And a lot of the technology that was done with Mortal Kombat and in the early '90s, and you know, yeah. moving on from there, it actually all originated with Prince of Persia from 1989. Wow. So uh, again, another example of uh, innovation driving technology uh, and paving the way for um, their uh, predecessors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, all of it is just like anything, you know, it's just things get better over time as you you take the the foundation that was set for you. Yeah. um, And then you and you expand upon and you build on it. And these games were um, incredible in the sense of. The way that, first of all, the way they started the video game genre and the video game craze at home, that you're able to do these things that once you had to go to a mall to do, or you had to build a computer to use, these are things that you could buy a, you know, Nintendo system or a Sega system, set it up in your home and go from there. Um, you know, I actually cracked up at oh, some of the games that, go ahead. Well, this is uh, some of the very beginning of a lot of these uh, larger companies and the stories that... Uh, begin to come out about how the companies deal with being major successes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because again, this is the wild frontier of video Mm -hmm. gaming at this point still. And like where it's only just starting to become a major industry and watching how that carries forward into the next few decades from a business perspective and how these companies evolve uh, into these mega corporations that we know today uh, and the journey that uh, they take throughout the time right like it's kind of interesting looking back at the infancy of the business model as well yeah well i've I've also found it was interesting when i look at i was looking at my also ran list and some of these games and the way they've evolved over periods of time um with you know before there was there was street fighter in 1987 yeah but i remember when kung fu master came out yeah kung fu master for those of you who don't know Basically, it was a ripoff of Game of Death. <laughs> you had to fight um, all of these different people, and then you got to the boss fight. And then if you won the boss fight, you got to walk up to the stairs, much like as in Game, in Depth, Game of Death, and fight the next boss. Yeah. Um, so that was one of my favorites. That actually came out in 1984. Uh, one of the ones that I actually couldn't, I couldn't talk about 80s video games without talking about this one, because I believe the greatest lie that ever was told came from this video game directly. 1987, the Nintendo released Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many people lied to me and told me they could beat Mike Tyson. Uh, so many people say they, they've beaten Mike Tyson. Have you ever played that game, Nick? I have not. 
Mike Tyson. But I know I can beat Mike Tyson. He's so powerful. <laughs> he punches you one time, you go down. Oh, and wow. Like, I mean, he punches you again, and you're done for the whole game. Yeah. So you basically have to fight a flawless fight, or damn near a flawless fight, to beat Mike Tyson. Now, I do remember, a lot, I do know a lot of people knew the Mike Tyson's code. Yeah. Mike Tyson punch out code. And, man... You were invaluable if you knew how to get to that coat because, I mean, you had to fight so many people just to get to him. Yeah. And I would always lose somewhere around Soda Pop Pinsky. I think I got to the Sandman one time when the Sandman was like right before Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. I never could actually get to Mike Tyson myself because um, you had to fight a bunch of different people. Yeah. Uh, there was Bald Bull. There, there were no save checkpoints. There was, uh, yeah, Soda Pop Pinsky. Uh, you know, actually a lot of them, when I think back, there's a lot of racially insensitive things going on around um, when you actually look at some of the characters, um, then you had Glass Joe, who was fun. But anyway, Tecmo Bowl. I will not move on without talking about Tecmo Bowl, the original Tecmo Bowl, which wasn't as groundbreaking as the one we'll get into in, in the 90s. Okay. But uh, Tecmo Bowl was certainly one. Bases Loaded, which was a baseball favorite of mine. Outrun, which was just you cruising. Oh, yeah, all the down, sports games. You remember the Outrun? Uh, that, was yeah, a race, yeah. that, wasn't, that was more of like a race car game, but it wasn't. And I remember it looked cool because you were riding. And it was the sun would go up and go down, yeah. and you'd be cruising near the coastline, and they had music and stuff. That was and it was cool. you and this blonde lady sitting in the passenger seat. Yeah. You guys would just cruise the coastlines. Outrun was a fun one for me, man. <laughs> um, bases loaded was a, was a fond memory for me uh, for my dad and my brother and I, because uh, that was a baseball game that we competed at and played very much. Um, long live Norcus. Norcus was basically the Babe Ruth of the of the thing. And, oh yeah. And I was always Norcus, and people knew not to pitch to me if I had Norcus. Um, (laughs) So anyway, anyway, that was the list, Nick. Not really list, but that was kind of the influential games of the 80s. Um, I think we touched on a lot of really important games uh, throughout the history of gaming. You know, like just the fact that Legend of Zelda, uh, Street Fighter, you know, uh, Final Fantasy VII all came out within that decade. Yeah. Uh, Like the same decade as Super Mario Mario Brothers, Brothers, Pac-Man, and all that kind of stuff. Crazy. Like... It really is like the birth of modern gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And and I look forward. Frankly, I look forward to doing the '90s and the 2000s and all. I mean, like it's, I think it's, it's going to crazy blow your mind. how many of those franchises and how many of like those companies and such are still around and still kicking. You know, you know F, what I can't uh, wait for? almost like what over 40 years later. You know, you know what I can't wait for? What's up? When we do 2010s, Ugh, it's going to be great. Uh, there's one game, folks. I'm going to let you know. I'm not going to talk about the game. I'm not going to even say its name. Know that once we get to the 2010s, I'm going to say a game name and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to let Nick <laughs> just go. Okay, his all-time favorite game is in the 2010s, so you all be prepared oh, and man. be ready for a lot of little schmid bits of information. Uh, like half all our right. viewership's going to leave <laughs> audience. Uh, nah, nah, it'll be good. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right, Nick. You ready? You know what time it is? Uh, I'm ready. All right. Facts. Doug's fun facts. Did you know, Dick? Did I call you Dick? Oh my God! Did I call you Dick? You did call me a Dick. I'm sorry, Nick. Warranted. <laughs> there. <laughs> All right. Bonus. Did you know, Nick? December twelfth. Do you know it's actually it's supposed to be a special day? Really? It is December 12th is known as Poinciana Day. <sighs> Why? A bonus. I don't know. Just because it is. Okay. Um, number five. Did you know, Nick, 
An almanac prediction states that if a snow falls on Christmas Day, Easter will be warm, green, and sunny. That's lovely. Yeah. So uh, Easter has never been warm, green, and sunny here in Florida. Because <laughs> there's no way snow has ever fallen no. in well, Florida on Christmas yeah. Day. Well, I mean, I guess our snow would be more like rain. It doesn't really rain on Christmas either. No, it doesn't. All right, well, it's we'll not during on. our monsoon season. It doesn't count for us then. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Did you know, Nick? The name of December comes from the Latin from the Latin term decem for ten, as it was the tenth month in the Roman calendar. No way. Yeah. Kind of like how novum is yeah. for nine. That's right. Wow. <laughs> I said that because I was like, well, we already did that one, so we might as well <laughs> keep that as part of it. All right. It's a tradition. That's right. Um number four number three. Did you know, Nick? Hey, Doug, did you know that October is Octo for Octo? Or eight? <laughs> Have we done that three months in a row? <laughs> or like, hey, what about September for seven? Have we done that? We haven't done it for September. I didn't do it for that. I did it for October, I think, for November for sure. And then we certainly have just done it for December. I don't know if we've done it for all that many months in a row. That is funny, though. Number, number three, Nick, did you know the term Yuletide? comes from the Norse tradition of cutting and burning a tree to bring in the winter solstice. This was to last through 12 days, later known as the 12 days of Christmas. Aw. Yeah. Did you know that? So you're saying that Christmas traditions are mostly just pagan holidays, pagan rituals that are heresy (laughs) under God. It would appear so. All right. Number two. Did you know, Nick? The St. Nicholas, huh? Huh? Eh, I yeah, I, I've never heard that one before. St. Nicholas, who would eventually be called Santa Claus, or as they call him, Sandy Claus in The Nightmare Before Christmas. One of my favorite movies. Was a, yes, that's a good one. Was originally the patron saint of children, thieves, and pawnbrokers. That makes a lot of sense. You should start introducing yourself that way. I'm St. Nicholas, the patron saint of children, thieves, and pawnbrokers. I should introduce myself that way. interesting niche, the pawnbroker part of it, right? Yeah. And thieves. I mean, I guess one of some, you know, one could honestly yeah, be tied you, to the you'd other. You'd say that pawnbrokers and thieves were so important to society that they needed their own fucking saint. Well, not only that, but they were mixed in with the children, which I find a bit disturbing. Mostly because those are all the thieves and pawnbrokers oh, you find yeah, in the city. You could be onto something with that. <laughs> all right. Well, number hey, uh, one, Nick. You no know, one ever said that kids were, uh, you know, good. Yeah. I mean, if you anybody that's watched. Uh... If you know anyone that has kids or if you have kids yourselves. You all know what little thieves and pawnbrokers they are. Uh, well, pawnbroker for sure. I don't know if I call my son a thief, but pawnbroker. F- you saying he's never like stolen a cookie or stolen nah, the last can of soda? Really. No, he would have. <laughs> no, that would have to imply that he didn't actually think it already belonged to him because he simply draws breath. Oh. Um, you know that that's that's a totally different mindset. You got he, him. Him is mine. He's not thieving, and it's mine. Of course, it's mine. It's here. It's for me. Um, so yeah, I would certainly say that. Uh, number one, Nick, did you know, this is ready to have your effing mind blown, Nick. Oh man. Do you know the song Jingle Bells? Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle All The Way. Thank yeah, that one. Drinking it, singing that like a drunken fool. Uh, it was composed like in 1857. You sounded a little bit like Homer Simpson's best friend. He has a best Barney. friend. Yeah, Barney. You know oh, Barney? I didn't know he, that was his best friend. Hey, Homer. Yeah, it was his buddy oh, from okay. high school. Uh, <clears throat> did you know Jingle Bows, which was composed in 1857, was not actually meant for Christmas? Really? 
it was meant to be a Thanksgiving song. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. People always talk about, there's no Thanksgiving songs. There's no Thanksgiving movies. Well, you know what? It had one, and it got stolen, and now it's a classic Christmas song. Well, you know what they Thanksgiving say. Thanksgiving is the you most know what they underrated, say. underappreciated holiday in all the land. Well, uh, Christmas is just creeping earlier and earlier into the year every oh, year, yeah. isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Started in 1918 with Jingle Bells. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, that's the random facts. Um, and once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We're going to wrap up the show here. We've been a little running a little bit over today, so our apologies for that. But um, obviously, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We realize you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. And you're we here with appreciate us it. today. And um, My gosh, why? We'll be back next week. We're actually going to bring back a new, an old Oldie but goody segment, um, an oldie but goody segment. You know the one. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Remember that we've only done it one time. Yeah, I don't we've know if only we done it to remember. Cats versus dogs. And, well, but yeah, that was yeah. a legendary argument, though. Was it? Got a lot of answers on Facebook. Oh, excuse me, on Instagram. Yeah, all three. Uh, <laughs> it was a tie. Um, so, folks, again, thank you for listening. Um, of course. Uh, joining us in the most random place on earth and nick anything else for you sir no i'm good but hey uh be sure to tell your mom i said hi and stay random my friends 